0: Welcome to Bachadamia, a podcast so educational, it could be a university class.
1: With your hosts,
0: Danielle Dick McGew, Kim Ha
1: and Bill Henniger. Welcome everybody to uh, the Dumpster Fire edition of Batchadamia, our last uh, episode of the season. Um, and uh, today it's me, Bill, and Danielle. How you doing, Danielle?
0: Doing pretty good.
1: I've heard you you have some rage built up. You're ready to take it out.
0: Oh, yeah. I have some words. I have some words for the Bachelor franchise.
1: (laughs) I love it. So first thing, question of the day. Uh, Would you rather go to the DMV or have to be in a throuple with Clayton?
0: I would absolutely rather go to the DMV. (laughs) And I
1: hear you have a funny DMV story for
0: us. I do. So, um, recently I turned 40 and Ooh. I decided I should look at my license to see when it expired. And it did indeed expire on my birthday. So I thought that I should probably go renew it. Um, and I needed to do the real ID thing. So mm-hmm. rather than just, cause you can renew it online, but I was like, yeah, I'll just go in and take care of this while we're at it. So one, I drive to the DMV and it is not in the place that it was the last time. So um, luckily it was close. So I just had to like pop across the street and I still- where is it now? Where is it? So it it used to, for, for listeners that do not know- the waterloo layout um right. the dmv used to be in the waterloo mall right and is now in a little strip mall thing across the street kind of where the old kmart was okay um by tokyo yes that yep. place is. yeah yep. so um so i get there it looks pretty nice um uh side note th- it's very encouraging like the little centers where people take their tests they have like you got this like <laughs> there like posters above everything which um i really appreciate but so i park and um i go in and as i'm kind of going in this woman's like pulling up right next to the building and parking her car there um and it, it really is sort of like blocking the way but so i go in um i check myself in so you make appointments now and you i'm, I'm taking way too long to tell no
1: no this is i love it
0: but so I go, you know, I go in, I check myself in and you like have to use like your phone. Like, yeah, you know, it's probably not the easiest thing for, um, people that aren't comfortable with technology. So, um, I sit down and the woman who has parked her car comes in with an elderly woman. My guess is probably her mother, um, who is using a walker and she's helping her sign in. And one of the guys that works there is like, ma'am ma'am are you you know like are you parked out there and she's like yeah that's me you know but I need to get my mom checked in and then I'll move it and he's like no you're blocking traffic you need to go out and like move it and she's like I'm trying to check my mom in and so then she like because like the DMV is like the one place in the world where we've all just decided that we're going to treat people like absolute crap and it's like okay That's just the culture of the place. She just starts like cursing at this guy. And this guy's like totally not being helpful. (laughs) Right. And then, so like other people decide to join in. So like a woman in front of me is like, mister, why ain't you helping her? (laughs) You know, like this is messed up. Like, you know, and everybody's cursing though. I'm, I'm just like sparing you all. And I'm just like, oh, I love the DMV, <laughs> like, you know, and then so like, then like a guy next to me. So there's like all this chaos and is like ensuing. And a guy next to me is like, so how are you enjoying this weather? You know, like, <laughs> like a stranger. But then so another person comes in and I'm like, well, I'm going to help them sign in because I don't want this like mean guy to like. Right. Come. So like. I help, I help this person sign in and then somebody behind them sees me and it's like, can you help me too? So like (laughs) the next thing I know, I'm just like standing there, like helping everybody sign in to the DMV. Um, You've become a
1: DMV employee.
0: I do. I have a part-time job there now. Um, I report tomorrow at 10 a.m. But like it was, it was the, it was a DMV experience that I hoped for. That's amazing. Um, so I would I found it quite um, awful and simultaneously like there's just some things in the world that never change. And it's a little nice to know that you can always go to the DMV and expect to hear a good throwdown.
1: I uh, didn't really care much about this question. I just wanted to give you a segue into your uh, story about the DMV, which you told me to remind you of. Hear me out. I think you go for the thruple with Clayton. <laughs> Because Rachel and Gabby are like BFFs now. And it's like, how many friends did you get out of your DMV experience?
0: Probably more friends than you, guess. I I do have a wild talent at making friends with strangers in public spaces. So... I- but right I mean not. I did never I did not have an orgasm at the DMV and maybe a <laughs> thruple with Clayton maybe does or does not.
1: I'm gonna bet with Clayton it doesn't.
0: Oh <laughs> my like,
1: God. Uh, wow. Oh, I didn't well. think we would get an orgasm uh reference in the first five minutes of the show. So things are going well.
0: Yeah, this is this is gonna be an episode you wanna keep listening to. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, but maybe not with your kids. All right, we we're ready for the recap? I'm going to do my best. You hop in here and, and add anything that I miss. Um, I'm going to do my best to make this two minutes um, because a lot happened and simultaneously a lot didn't happen. So we end uh, from last episode where um, Susie, right? I can't believe I'm already blanking on her. Name. Susie uh, goes home after Clayton kind of like, flips out because she doesn't want to be with him. So we come into the Rose ceremony, and it's Gabby and Rachel, and Clayton basically says, you know, I wanted Susie to stay. She wouldn't say because, um, you know, I had had sex with both of you, and by the way, I had sex with both of you. Uh, not sure he really needed to put this out into the world. And so both uh, Gabby and Rachel uh, kind of lose it. They walk off um gabby looks like she's just done where rachel just kind of like gets left by herself so he goes to try to retrieve gabby and is like you know stay i want to fight for you and basically talks gabby into stay and gabby's like no this isn't fair but he talks her into it right Pan back to Rachel and she's like sitting on the floor with their rose, just kind of like looking around, kind of lost. Um, But he talks her into staying. So he's like, hey, you know, you could be the person I love, you know, just because I love Susie the most doesn't mean I could love you. Come meet my parents. All right. So they stay. They take his rose. Very awkward. Go ahead.
0: I want to acknowledge that meanwhile, we are hearing the echoes of their sobs. Yes. The entire time. I think that was a really important um, element of the experience.
1: Yes. At one point, he's just standing like the giant statue he is. And you can just hear two women like wailing. Um, So he uh, so they he gives them the rose. They both accept the rose. It's very awkward. They like drink champagne. The women are like chugging champagne and like handing it back like another another. So then they come to meet his family uh basically his dad tells him he's a dumbass um and the women seem okay they've they've made their peace they are going to meet his family they're going to kind of go through with this process seems like the whole family thing goes well his parents are delightful his dad seems to call him on his bs his mom asked the women some tif- difficult questions but i felt like they were kind of like um you know what maybe you just shouldn't be with clayton was what she was getting at um And so uh, he gets done.
0: Do you feel like the family liked one of the women more than the other and thought that they just, that they knew who he was going to choose?
1: I felt like they liked Gabby more.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I felt that they were like, oh, well, like, you know, Nicole's nice. But like, clearly, like, you do like love one of them the most. And that is Gabby. And they never said it, but like, you really felt that from them in a way that I hadn't, you don't always get from the families. And I
1: feel like Gabby's definitely the more mature of the two. Rachel seems very nice, but Gabby Gabby seems more to understand who she is and, and kind of have this, you know, here's who I am and you need to take it or leave it kind of thing. So the, that episode ends with him basically being like, uh, I don't love either of these women. I need Susie. So we come back to last night and he, uh, Jesse Palmer is like, Susie's still here. He tells the family, Susie's still here. I'll go talk to Susie. Why isn't Clayton going and talking to Susie? He's sending his emissary, uh, Jesse Palmer, who basically goes in and tells Susie, you really need to go talk to him. So it wasn't even like, hey, you know, if this is okay, you know, think through it. He was like, you really should go talk to him. Okay. She goes and talks to him. He says, you know, I I didn't mean anything I said, which I think is a bunch of BS Um, that he told her all the mean things he said. He didn't mean it. He just was feeling it in his heart. And that's what he had to say, which I have a whole problem with that. You get to just basically say whatever you want and then be like, well, I can't be held accountable because it was in my heart. At what point, at what point is what you say, who you are? And at what point is You just get to say whatever you want and then just kind of be like, well, I can't be held accountable. But anyways, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Following your heart. I mean, is this thing that gets said a lot on the show? I have to follow my heart. And it really felt like it was this. It's this stain that just sort of, yeah, is, oh, well, if I just say that I needed to do that, then I'm sort of absolved of any harm you know, any collateral damage that is done in the process of me following my heart, I'm not responsible for because like my heart is the most important thing.
1: (laughs) Which is interesting because Danielle often responds to my texts with follow your heart, Bill.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So, um, uh, so basically he talks to Susie. Susie says, I need to think about it. At this point, Clayton decides, well, I have a chance with Susie. I need to break up with the whim, the other two women, Gabby and Rachel. And so, what would be the kind thing to do? Well, you know, sit down with each of them. No, we prize efficiency on this show. So he's gonna sit down with both of them. And he sits down with both of them and basically is like, Hey, this has been great. I know I told you I could love you, but turns out, eh, No, I can't. Uh, Gabby gets up and walks off, and then he tries to, I don't know what he was trying to do other than make himself feel better. And then he asks if he can walk her out and she says, no. And then they go to the live ceremony and basically she tells him, you know, you can say this, you can say that this was happening, but you really knew more than you let on. And you kept me here just to keep me here just in case. And he kept saying, I understand. And then explaining why that wasn't true. So then it's over. So then we go back to poor Rachel, who has been left in a room yet again for what seems like an hour, just crying. He comes back and he's like, you know, same thing. And she is much less defiant than Gabby. And is kind of like, I can't believe you're just leaving me here. I never stopped fighting for you. You didn't fight for me. Um, And he just keeps saying, I understand, but I have to do what my heart tells me I have to do. Then they go to the after the rose ceremony. And she basically tells him he's a dirty, dirty dog to use, uh, Kim's one of Kim's favorite terms. And he's like, yeah, I totally understand that. But seriously, I was in love. I had to follow my heart and everyone is still mad at him. So then we go back to the row ceremony. He tries one big hail Mary with Susie and she says, eh, I gotta go. I don't really want to be with you. And we think it's over, but it's not. Apparently Susie got back in his DMS and now they're together and they are in love and he's moving with her to Virginia, which I thought was, he seemed very proud of himself. And he's like, I quit my job and I'm moving to Virginia. And it's, Oh, wow. And that is the end of the season. And we are all very unfulfilled, much like I would assume all the women would be in a throuple with Clayton.
0: So, question about the timeline. So one thing that I was really confused about and I went back and I watched it again this morning. Um, So Susie comes and meets his parents and it seems like everyone's a little bit surprised that she's there.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot about but, that. When she comes to talk to Clayton, they just bring him in the room with, with her, his parents.
0: Well, and so then they go outside and they have this little conversation and she's like, you know, she kind of tells him, you know, like, I don't know how I feel about things. Right. And then the next thing I know, he's like proposing to her. Right. And I was like, did i I really, like, I seriously thought that I missed something in the timeline. And I don't know if there's, if this is just like the editing, but I was like, good God, what made you feel like the next step is a proposal
1: see i don't think it you missed anything because in that he kept saying you know as much time as she needs i'm gonna give her time she needs to come around to this and then he like is like but i'm gonna get a ring and propose it's like i he just he seems to say things but not really understand exactly what he's saying
0: well in the proposal he's like this is like a sign of like my commitment to you but i was like good god like how devoted to this narrative is this like franchise too that they're just like going to (laughs) keep following forward in like i mean like that's sort of how i felt with a lot of this was like stuff kept happening and they're like but there is a form that we follow and we're just gonna keep following the form yeah i don't yeah
1: it made for good tv in a really bad way
0: I feel dirty. Like as a watcher, having watched this, like um, my husband said that he was like, Danielle, this is how I feel being a football fan. Like <laughs> I keep watching football, knowing all of the ethical problems with the NFL, yes. like yep. with concussions. And he's like, and I just keep watching. And I was like, this was, I think one of those times where I'm like, Danielle, There's so much wrong with the show and that's why it makes a great podcast. Right. Right. It's great fodder for criticism, for conversation. But I just felt like. What made good TV was also the thing that like me as like a witness to like, I think so many people being treated so poorly in service of my entertainment is gross yeah you're I like, felt you're a
1: little, a little, little <laughs> bit <laughs> like that but I also was like I don't know yeah I am entertained are you not entertained
0: I mean I wanted to know what was gonna happen you yeah. know like I this it, is it our... my curiosity but I also am like oh my gosh as a human what does it say about me that like this is what I'm curious about so I I'm um I don't know but I mean I can talk a little bit later about um I'm very angry with Clayton but part of my anger is towards the franchise okay um, So let's
1: start with concept one Then I wanted to talk a little bit about the meaning of words. And we've talked a lot about that this season, right? And around this idea that um, specifically, there's a lot of research with emotions, that you have much better outcomes, people are happier if they have a much broader understanding and vocabulary around labeling emotions. And so when I really noticed this happening, was after, uh, Gabby goes home and then she sits down with Clayton. Um, and she keeps, you know, she's talking to him in this rose ceremony. He's like, I understand that you're mad. And she said several times, I'm not mad. I am hurt and I am disappointed. And he said, I understand all of that. And you have every right to be mad. Um, and so I just, I thought it'd be interesting, especially with you, you know, and your your expertise in communication, how do we reconcile that or how do we move past, you know, how do we get people to understand that, that um, you you react to things differently if you are disappointed and hurt than if you're just mad. Um, And in class, when I talk about this, the example I use is that if your significant other is mad at you because you forgot to take out the trash, the way you make up to them or address that is different than if your significant other is mad because you cheated on them. Right. But we use mad for both terms.
0: Well, I mean, one, I would sort of say that I think that emotions are complex and that as humans, we have the capacity to hold more than one emotion at the same time. Right. So you can be hurt and you can be mad. (laughs) Right, Right? Right. Like I don't think that those things aren't, you know, exclusive to one another. Um, I mean, I didn't feel, I felt like he was hearing, he wasn't listening. Um, So, I mean, one example of this is the I love you thing. Like, I don't think, they weren't mad that he slept with other people and they tried to express, like that he slept with other people. They tried to express this later in one of the episodes where they're like, we aren't Susie. What bothered Susie didn't bother us. And I think that that was their way of trying to communicate that they were upset that he had expressed that they loved them and that that carried weight for them. And that they, they there was sort of this assumption that he wasn't saying, I love you to everyone. Right. Um. And so it seemed like that was the issue, but then he kept saying, I love you to them. Right. And and so like, that was like this thing where you're like, you're missing the point. If your response to them saying, quit saying, I love you. If it doesn't mean anything is to say, well, I love you. You're, you're kind of missing something here. And I mean, I thought that Gabby was very good at articulating her emotions. So yeah. And kind of calling him on some of the, cause like, I felt like he's just was super unaware that he was feeling things, but he wasn't doing any sort of self-reflection to understand why he was feeling those things before he communicated them or, you know, so when Gabby called him out, it's after he breaks up with them, um, together and is sort of like, I tried to leave and you begged me to stay and like you needed me to leave on your terms. Right. And that's what I'm upset about. You know, like I'm upset that you would treat me that way. And that's where the betrayal is right too. Um, I thought that she was very good at articulating that. And I don't know that I really think that you can express your way into other people, understanding how you feel. If they aren't willing to do the work on the other side.
1: Well, that's probably a good point, right? You can use all the correct words, but if he's only willing to just, um, say that, and you know, I probably going back to that too, is like, he kept saying, I love you, but then he would say, well, there's different types of love and there's different kinds of love. And so again, he's really being inarticulate and maybe like he should have used better terms for you know, I love you. I love you the most. And that also really seemed to gall Gabby was that he was essentially ranking the women. So it wasn't like, I want to be with you. I want to be with my best option. And then if that goes away, then I'll go to my next option. And I i mean, that that's very dehumanizing, right? I mean, that's the way you buy a car or you pick a right. house is right. like, oh, this is our dream house. But this one checks all the boxes too.
0: Right. I mean, i I don't... It was, there is so many ways in which he sort of discounted, like, I really felt like he was like, this is my journey to find love. And, you know, I kind of used this before. And if you are collateral damage on that journey, like people are going to get hurt. This is just you getting hurt. What can I do about it? And, you know, we've talked a lot about apologies and what makes good apologies. And I think that what was so frustrating with him is he would apologize, but it was very generic, mm-hmm. you know, he, he could say like, I'm sorry that I made you mad, but like, he couldn't sort of say, I made you mad because right. that like sport sort of like, or, um, even at the, after the row sort of stuff where he's like, I learned, I've learned so much. What did you learn? Right. Dude, like, what did you do? Could you please articulate what it is that you learned? Oh, like, this has been really hard for you. Well, what have you done to become a better person? I want details, dude. Like, to just say that and then to keep acting the way that he did over and over again, that dismissed everybody else's, like, experience through that, it really, like, showed, that he didn't understand.
1: Well, and you heard that a lot because he would say, yeah, I'm sorry. I really, I, you know, that really hurt, but I was following my heart. And so it was not really, and he said the, the, you know, I'm sorry, you feel that way several times. Or he's like, I take accountability for that, but I was following my heart. And it's like, well, then you don't take accountability for it. You know, you're, you're essentially saying that I am um, powerless against my emotions and you just have to deal with it which is fine, but don't apologize then. Just be like, hey, if you're on the Clayton train, you got to deal with whatever my emotions do at that time and I can't be held accountable. Um,
0: yeah, there's sort of like a separation from him and his heart, right? Like there's there's me and there's my heart and I I have no agency over what my heart is taking, yep. the pride that my heart is taking me on. And- um,
1: I really and am a good guy. I'm really so a nice selfish. guy. I'm really a nice guy. I'm a good guy, but it's my heart that like, you know, I just can't be held accountable for what my heart does.
0: So I have a question for you about, um, you know, Gabby, Mm -hmm. I thought I was so sort of intrigued by this. You can't measure love Mm -hmm. and by measuring love, like you're turning this into a competition and as a quantitative researcher that probably measures love, <laughs> I wanted to, I because like I'm I'm sympathetic to what she's saying in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um and I just wondered if you, because I am, I'm trying to process, like I'm also sympathetic to Clayton saying that he has different sorts of love, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I was just, and as like, um, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit before that we're also in this like monogamous culture, mm-hmm. right? That ways that we've been taught about to think about love all support sort of monogamous relationships. If you try to have probably a thruple right? <laughs> or a, a polyamorous relationship, like relationships, like they're hard to navigate in a culture that is built on monogamy. So like, I just, I just kind of was wondering, you know, I was like thinking about how all of those things kind of play into stuff.
1: Well, I think probably any of those, even in a non-monogamous culture, there's probably a reason that monogamy is the, you know, across the globe is the, the, the most likely kind of setup of relationships because it's probably the easiest to navigate. Right. I feel like Evolutionarily wise, had it been easier to have like a thruple or polyamorous, where you have two couples that basically date each other, or you know, a polygamy or you know, something like that, then that would be the norm, and then monogamy would be non the norm. Um, so we should probably recognize that the more people, yeah, the more people you add into a relationship, the harder it makes it. Um, but
0: people, more
1: problems, more people, more problems. I like it. Uh, as far as like measuring love, I mean, I talked about before, like, I really don't like the term falling in love because it, it suggests that there's a destination. Um, and really anyone who's been married for a long time will tell you, it's not like you fall in love and then you are stagnant at this level of love. Like, like there are days where you see your partner and you're like, wow, they are amazing. And then there's days where you see your partner and it's like, if you chew like that one more time, I'm going to stab you. Um, or so, you know, right. I'm going to lock you out of the house. Um, and so that, that's probably one of the issues. And then there are different types of love, right. Um, I think probably where the issue comes in and maybe this is where Gabby and, you know, it's, it's hard to be articulate in, in any of those situations. And she did an amazing job, but, Clayton needs to explain what he wants. And I feel like maybe that's where she was mad. Not that he's like measuring love is that he's saying, I love all of you. And it's like, okay, but what one of those loves is the one you want? Because he kept saying, oh, it's different types of love. All right. Then which one is the one you choose? Because then Gabby knows, and I think it goes back to what she said. And I thought she was really articulate in this when she said it was about you getting to send me home. You did not like me making the decision. And I feel like that's really where, you know, Clayton did his most dirty moves was that he didn't give them all the information. And then when they tried to take their ability to say, I'm done, he started leveraging all of these like, well, I do love you. I love you. You know, we could be together. I'll let you meet my parents. And then it's like, well, I don't love you that much. So see you later.
0: I mean, I. I, there was even these moments where like he was like begging, you know, Gabby to stay mm-hmm. um after that rose ceremony. And I was like, dude, like why? Like, right. why are you fighting this at this point? And I can't imagine what it was like for Gabby and Rachel to watch this back and realize oh. that he had told Susie that he loves her the most. Because like
1: right.
0: it was, I mean, where was And, is and clearly a-
1: she was his first choice. Because that's, I mean, you know, keep going. Sorry.
0: Well, it was a par- to me, it was sort of apparent, even when he like handled these rose ceremonies and stuff, that he kept bringing Susie up. I was like, oh, normally like that, they wouldn't keep bringing right. folks up. And so there are like little clues that I think that they were given to think right. that maybe that was what was going on. But I do think, I can't imagine how sort of betrayed you feel watching this back and realizing that he had said that. To...
1: But it's not incumbent on them to pick up on those. No. Those secrets. And also when they tried to leave, he stopped him. So uh, this actually goes to our next concept. So you set us up very well. Good job. Um, when we talk about like keeping somebody on the back burner or on the hook, and I actually did a, a uh, impromptu poll on Twitter what is the term that you use um, or that the youths use when you want to keep someone on the line? Cause you're kind of interested in them. And if this person doesn't like you, then you'll go back to them. And some of the terms they uh, people said on the side um, I use back burner on the hook. I found some research that, that use back burner um, uh, on the bench uh, Elaine said it was simply just called being an ass. Um, so what we're talking about though, is this kind of idea where you might want to date someone, but you think maybe they are not that interested in you. And so you keep this other person here and it kind of seems like that's what Clayton was doing. Right. And so I guess the question is like, when is that ethical? When is it not? Um, I feel like there's a point early on in dating where, you're not really committed to each other. And it's okay to kind of, you know, think about two people. And that's the whole point of the show, right? You get to date multiple people out in the open, but there definitely is a point where you hit a tipping point, And it seems like you're expected to kind of make your decisions.
0: So in some ways, like, so my response is, I think that only in a few situations where it's sort of a kind of an agreed upon situation, right? Mm -hmm. Is it ethical? Um, that being said, I also think that it is not a unreasonable human emotion to want to protect oneself. Right. Right. You know, to like, go, Oh, like, I don't know how this person feels about me or I do like this person, but there's like this other thing out there where like, I don't think that it's a completely like, I don't know that I think it would make you a bad person for feeling like you'd want to do that, but actually doing that, especially in the situation that was high stakes for, for Clayton and Rachel and Gabby, we're, what it, you're moving towards is an engagement. And there are family and other people that are involved in in this at this point. I feel like I feel like that's a very different ethical situation than like, oh, well, we've gone on a few dates and I like like that person, but like, you know, I swiped right on a few other people. Right. You know, um, I'm trying to sound cool, like I know what online dating is. No, you but, got um, it. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. So, I mean, I I understand why people would feel vulnerable and would want to protect themselves in that way. Like I can I can empathize with that emotion, but I also think that it's a it's a selfish one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's a point where you have to think about other people's emotions too, right? Like you you bear some responsibility in the greater world to think about If I keep this person on the hook, what does it mean to them in three weeks when then I say, oh, well, I'm not that interested if I kind of know that it's going to be. And I, I think there's some responsibility. Maybe that's where Clayton really bothered me. I mean, I know he bothered all of America for various reasons, but I think that's where when I was watching, I was like, this is where he really actively was an ass, was that he knew that Susie was the one he wanted and he actively kept some of the women around just in case Susie said no and you could see he made the decision to cut them loose once Susie was like well i need to think about this and i think at that point he was like all right well you know she didn't say flat out no so i have a chance i now's probably the time but he introduced the women to his family which when you introduce someone to your family that's kind of a you know that's that's a commitment that's a step forward um so yeah
0: well, and I mean, he kept saying like, "Oh, well, at the time, that is how I felt." And I wanted to be like, "Okay, dude, I believe you. I like believe that he genuinely didn't necessarily know, right? Right. But I'm also like, you're responsible when you are in this situation as the lead. Kind of as like Nick Vale said, like when you are the lead, you do you are in a position of power here, and." you have some responsibility to like, think about how you feel. Right. <laughs> right. Um. And I mean, I think that your, um, I think that your insight to that, he had like a responsibility to be clear about what his expectations were. And like, I think is a good one, right? That like, yeah. in some ways, when we're talking about the back burner on the hook, that some of it is like, it is ethical. If both parties involved understand the circumstances of the relationship. What's not okay is when you have, you know, of different circumstances and you aren't being transparent about it.
1: Well, and I just had, so going back multiple episodes, he kicked that one girl off because she had a friend with benefits. Right. And then he was like, that is not okay. I mean, we're really getting into some dicey waters now with him. Right. But it's okay for him. And so.
0: Well, I mean, I do think too, like they felt like, Oh, did you just tell me that you loved me so that you could sleep with me? And like, basically you shacked up with both of us, even though you didn't, you kind of knew. Right. And and here's what's hard is I don't know that I think he really, I think he knew if he would have taken any time to, right think through things but i don't know i think he's kind of dense and didn't know um but I, it doesn't make him less responsible
1: well he kept saying you know i had no malicious intent and that bothered me because it's like well no shit you had no malicious like i don't think anyone gets on the bachelor and is like i'm gonna make some girls cry i'm gonna screw around on him it's like of course you didn't have malicious intent and i felt like that was a way for him to be like you know, so I don't have a lot of responsibility because I wasn't purposely hurting you. It's like, right, but you still own some responsibility. And that's the big difference, right? Is to say, well, I wasn't purposely hurting you doesn't mean that you didn't hurt them and you aren't responsible for it. And it's kind of like what you said, you can have multiple emotions or, you know, you can be responsible for one thing and not the other. It's not like they're mutually exclusive. Right,
0: right. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about breakups.
1: Okay. Uh so um man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what do you want to say about breakups?
0: Okay, so I want to I'm like really interested from a communication standpoint on like his decision to do both the rose ceremony and to break up with them together. And right, they call right. him out on this, and I think that it is like a really important moment because one, I think they're like, hey, we weren't the same people, right? These were two separate relationships. And then for you to in both of these moments. But I also think this is a way that he was communicating power. So in both Ooh. of those things. You know, um, Gabby described it as this it couldn't be a discussion because of how you did it. And I think that's what she's getting at is. In the both of those situations, he's in a position of power where it's a speech right? It's a rose ceremony. He has the microphone. He gives a speech. They really aren't like, this isn't like, let's sit around and talk about what happened and then navigate and negotiate what's best for our relationship in this moment, given what's happened. It's him standing there telling them. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's what he kind of did with the breakup where if he, he might as well have done it one-on-one because he ended up having those conversations with them one-on-one. Yeah. But like in doing that, he turned it into, I'm giving a speech to you all telling you what's going to happen as opposed to being this, like a dialogue between them. It, it I think it was a power play. Yeah. I, mean,
1: I, th- I think it also demonstrated how he was thinking about them. Right. Because he taught, she said, you know, I am not a like best girl, second, best girl, third, best girl, but the way he did it was essentially I'm going to break up with both of you because now I've made my decision and why treat each of you like an individual? Like, this is just the most, um, you know, efficient way to do it. You both get the same information. It's yeah.
0: I think when you mentioned that it was dehumanizing, I think that this really played into that because it it really did just treat them like, oh, you're both just contestants on this show. I was weighing my options, right? Um, I think, you know, what I would be, and part of the reason I'm a little ragey about the franchise is I really am sort of curious as to how much of this, like when was some of this his decision and when was some of this like, Directed by producers.
1: So Um, I saw several um, of the former bachelor contestants that said like, this was totally his decision. They would not make you break up with two women or two people at one time that, that is, they said that is a decision you get to make. They totally let you lead it. And so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he thinks a lot about other people's feelings.
0: It's, Kind of spectacular in its awfulness. Um
1: so I had a question. When you get broken up with, what is your responsibility to the person who broke up with you? Because I feel like he really like part of what I was noticing, and he's like following these women around after he breaks up with them. And it's like he clearly wants them to say, It's okay, I forgive you. And it's like he didn't really seem like he wanted to comfort them. It was like, I'm not a bad person. Please, you tell me that I'm not a bad person. Um, yeah.
0: I, I think that was one of the other things that made me pretty ragey. Um, in the workplace, I complain all the time because I often am given advice that I like need to learn to say no to things, mm-hmm. right? And I get pissed because I'm like, I do say No. And then people ask me three more times to do the same thing that no doesn't get hurt. So in order for me to say no, I have to say it three times where like, I feel like I have counterparts, you know, that I, you know, other people that I work with, that can say no once and people move on. And I was so angry watching this because it is, I mean, even his dad was like, dude, she left, right? Like she gave you an answer you need to listen and respect that. I mean, I think actually Clayton's parents might be his one hope because I think that his parents um, show he was raised by some people that at least know how to call him on his own crap. Right. Um. But, you know, I was just flummoxed by the way in which they they would sort of be like, no, like, and even with like, Susie.
1: Yeah, he did it twice with Susie.
0: And he was like, you know, I need you to say it's over. And
1: <laughs> he's so, like, it's over. Like,
0: it's over. And and I just felt like he couldn't recognize and no unless it was like very, very right. explicitly communicated. And even then, I don't know that I believe that he really honored that.
1: No. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that they're like, oh, he, uh, you know, and then she got in contact with him. I feel like, I wonder if he got back in contact with her. Um, but I mean, you could see like he tried to push her that first time and she said no. And that's when he got pissed off. And then the second time it took her like four times and he's like, all right, all right, fine. Um, yeah, he just doesn't. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Well, and he's, I think he's confused that, with a sign of care. Yep. Right. That like yeah, my way of communicating care to you is by being persistent mm-hmm. even when <laughs> that's not what you have articulated that you're wanted or interested in. And I think like that's not healthy um no. at all. Um but yeah in terms of like responsibility that's a good question. Um I would say like one, I don't know if in the moment you're that, you know, I mean, I think your responsibility is to listen to the fact that they're breaking up with you and like right. honoring that. I don't know. Um, you don't have to make them feel good and you certainly don't have to make them feel good in that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because Rachel was kind of persistent and trying to get him to reconsider, you know, as she was walking out and it's like, he was very stoic and just like, yeah, you know, I mean, he was trying to say, I'm sorry, but he wasn't being comforting really. um, Other than just like, you know, I apologize. I apologize, but get in the car. I apologize. Like I give you a hug, but get in the car. Um, It's not like he was great in that moment. um, But then he like flipped his shit on Susie. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: I think that, you know, I feel like Rachel was way more hurt. Yeah. Right. Where I felt like Gabby was more angry and I think she was hurt too, but, um, I think how they expressed right their hurt and their anger was a little bit different. Well, and, and people,
1: people deal with being hurt different and, you know, there's not like a model that's the perfect way of doing it y'all. And so I think Rachel probably was dealing with it with the way she deals with being hurt. And Gabby was dealing with it. Um, So.
0: Well, I felt that Gabby felt very, very betrayed. And I think that Rachel did too. But I think that in some ways. Gabby felt like, oh, this isn't this person that I, I right. cared about. Where I think Rachel was having such a hard time letting go of who she thought that he was. Yeah you know, that like, and where they were going, I don't know. It was the whole thing was infuriating and um, heart-wrenching. Um,
1: yeah. You want to go on to your, uh, your wild card. I feel like this is a good transition.
0: Sure. So I'm, I wanted to call this empathy scapegoating and Danielle's rage towards the <laughs> franchise. Um, so I thought that it was really interesting. Blake Horstrom, or whatever his last name is Blake H. Who was a finalist on Becca's season and then a um, villain on Bachelor in Paradise for after he slept with several women on Stagecoach. I've always actually been, despite his um, mistakes, a big fan of Blake. Um, And Blake um, tweeted that he felt that this was an example as to why the franchise should cast somebody who has been in the final three Mm. um, as a bachelor that Clayton having never really been in love with Michelle, not really going through the experience of having your heart broken on national television um, was unable to empathize with their experience because he had never sort of like gone through that. And I think that that's a really interesting point. Like one, like Bill, I'd just be interested in like, what do you, think about that position um
1: i mean there's been i there's been people who weren't in the final 3 who were very empathetic and were very thoughtful in the way they broke up with people so i don't think being in the final 3 you know automatically makes you empathetic um so but i think it's a good you know i think it's a i think it's a good take on it you know like he, yeah. clearly clayton needed somebody to be like take a breath, think about what you're doing and how it's going to make people feel. Um, And clearly he's never been, it didn't seem like at any point in his life, anyone's ever said, think about your actions and how they are going to impact other people. Um, Which is a very, you know, white middle-aged guy to just plow through and be like, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to do things and be damned. Well, and uh,
0: I mean, a few things there, like one, I agree that, um, I do think that having, have having, when the lead has had that experience of having your heart broken in that way, it probably does shift the way that they navigate things. Um, like you said, though, empathy does not require you having gone through the same thing in order to have, in fact, like definitionally, (laughs) that's what makes it empathy. So, Um, I think that that is a really important one. So in my field, we tend to sort of revere empathy in some ways that I think have been criticized um, as well, because we see performance, like acting Mm -hmm. as a way to learn how to empathize that there's something about Trying like literally trying on someone's gestures, their voice, things like that teaches one to internally empathize as well. And that that skill of empathy outside of the acting room, right, um, is something that you gain, right? Um, so I do believe, though, that empathy is like a learnable skill. I think it is a skill. <laughs> um, and so if, Clayton wants to be more empathetic after this experience. There are things that he can do um, to stretch his empathy muscles, if you will. Um, But I think the other thing that you're kind of saying is I felt that this season, particularly these last few episodes have been more about race than some of the other ones. So like Michelle or Matt James, where we're explicitly recognizing interracial dating. Mm -hmm. We're talking about someone being the first black bachelor, bachelorette. There are ways that him performing whiteness, right? Right. And performing privilege that is oftentimes attached to that whiteness was so incredible because he is a unique villain in that he's a nice guy. Right.
1: Yeah. And they pammed that, they played that up. Right. He's just smiling and he doesn't take himself too serious. And, you know,
0: you can be a nice person and exercise power and privilege in some real shit ways. Right. And I think yeah. that so, like, it is kind of a fascinating and I, I want to, um, process this even more, but I really do think um, part of what I'm so angry about is we have this franchise that has been so terrible in terms of the ways that it's handled race. And then it feels like they cast this like white guy that none of us understand why he's being cast, right? Still don't. Um, and he performs privilege in the most frustrating like unethical use of power that is sort of like disguised by yeah. his like kindness, right? Like, you know, like um, it's such a interesting example of that. And I guess like what I'm sort of frustrated about is that I feel like the franchise, I do think that he has lots of agency. This is not to not hold him accountable. He is so accountable. But I also am really worried that it's going to be like, oh, well, Clayton's just a dick, right? That he's just not a nice guy. And I'm like, there are things that this whole show (laughs) and like their just decision to cast him, their decision to like perpetuate particular narratives, to continue narratives. Like the franchise has a responsibility in this. And I mean, they give nods to it, but I feel like they've placed so much of the burden of this discussion being brought up by other people, right. Being brought up by people that are doing these podcasts or being brought up by Nick Vale being on there and uttering the word power. That like, it doesn't feel like it just feels like they're scapegoating Clayton in certain ways that like, I'm worried that Clayton is going to become the source of all of our rage and that we're going to like, ignore the responsibility that the franchise has in the way that like (laughs) they allowed his sort of like white privilege to be performed in the way that it was um that they created the space for this to happen through the structures of the show and all this other and their casting decisions and a bajillion other decisions that they made as a franchise so i i'm i'm kind of like trying to process process a lot of this because um it feels significant mm-hmm. that this is what we get as audience members after um a lot of this stuff so I
1: agree I don't have anything to add I thought that was very well stated
0: so I can segue this a little bit for us so I want to be excited about <laughs> Gabby and Rachel being named the next bachelorette, but I'm not, I'm, I'm really worried about them. Yeah. Because at this point I go like, is that even like an honor, right? Like I don't feel like they take care of the people on the show at all. They don't take care <clears throat> of the contestants. I don't have a lot of like faith that the show takes care of the leads. And I'm like, where is their ethical responsibility to kind of, yes, these people are signing up for this. Yes, these, you know, like folks are um, making money off of this and going to make money after they're on this. But like, does that like mean that the franchise does not have any sort of like relational obligation or ethical obligation to these folks to reciprocate it. And so like, yeah, I'm excited for them, but I'm also worried for them. I don't, you know, like, I don't know what it's going to be like to have two bachelorettes. I'm worried that they're going to just, be, they've already been used yeah. and exploited. And I feel like this maybe is going to just exploit them more. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I want to be excited, especially about Gabby, because I really like Gabby. Um, but I, I don't know how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. I, so I watched Joe millionaire and they had two guys on there and those two guys were the most supportive bros that I've ever seen. And I was talking to Elaine about this last night. And so, you know, the, the thing with having two people gunning for 30 people and they're the same interest, partner interest is people are like, what if they get in a fight? I think it self corrects. I think when you like the person, it's like you immediately start setting up boundaries and it's like Gabby and Rachel obviously like each other. I feel like they seem like they're rational people. This happens with friends all the time, right? I mean, I can think of at least five or six times in college where when I was single and my friends were single and there was a girl that we were both interested in, you know, we kind of navigated it so it's clunky but you know we're still best friends um and so i think in that way it's like that self-corrects i think the problem is like the voyeurism of it like you're saying like i i don't trust the bachelor at to not pit those two against each other for our entertainment and and you know
0: Well, and this is, I think, some of my struggle with last night. That it was like, oh, look at girl power. These women Mm -hmm. were so supportive of each other. Like, look at the franchise showing this, like, wonderful relationship. While they allowed this misogynistic guy to do... I mean, I don't know. I think, like, that's some of my concerns with this scapegoating. Is that it's like, oh, well, look at, like, we're showing these women that, I mean, and it was amazing, but I'm like, that was also their choice. Like that's. Well, like, because that's they had. Very, to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, They kind of, they did the labor and the work of that. Um, right. It wasn't, it's not the, they did that in spite of the show. It wasn't the show that like led them to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that um I do think that I think that again from an entertainment standpoint I think it's going to be a fascinating watch. Um for me as like a human trying to navigate the ethics of watching this <laughs> um I you know like I I'm kind of struggling a little bit.
1: I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like they are consenting adults. And um, in that way, that's, you know, I feel like people should have the right to do the things they want. And if they are on that show, I feel like probably where I got the most kind of, and this maybe this goes to the lessons learned um, kind of part of our podcast for the season. When I got really uncomfortable is when, like you said, it was very clear that there's a narrator, a narrative that's being driven. And Clayton is obviously, doing things that are going to hurt the women and the show stands back and just kind of is like, well, you know, what happens happens. Um, And then in the end they try to be like, well, it all worked out in the end Um, instead of just saying, you know, yeah, this was horrible. Clayton did them dirty. Um, Him and Susie are together.
0: Oh, I hated the question. And, and I know that we're probably running out of time, but when they ask, Oh, so, you know, Hey, Clayton was it worth it right like was all of this worth it and I was like you're asking the wrong person right like this is like that again that like somehow it's like oh he went through all of these growing pains but right like, okay because he found Susie at the end and I'm just like at whose expense
1: well and that shows just how little he's learned, right? Because he was like, I understand. And I wish I would have blah, 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 and this and that. And then they're like, was it worth it? And then it's like, nice guy, Clayton, big smile, like, well, I've got this woman that I love. And so all this, you know, that I had to go through. And basically, so the end message was F other people's feelings, like do what you got to do, you know, and sucks, sucks to be you. And like, at least Clayton got what he wanted.
0: Well, I mean, I think like that was where I was like, y'all didn't need to use that question. Right. But I, like that's where I'm like, <laughs> we're kind of joking because a part I had to go back and watch the show because last night we, we spilled some gas in the garage and we had to clean it <laughs> all up. And um, my husband's smoking stuff today. And, you know, it'd be like me going you know, when we have our ribs later today, they like, Oh, well, like, was it worth it? Like spilling gasoline all over the house? Like, well, yes, they're good ribs, but like, I could have just had the ribs without the gasoline spill. Like he could have had Susie without all that mess. Right. Like it's it's not like this was a necessary component.
1: Or they could have asked the question where he had to hold himself to account. Right. Like, Do you feel that the way you hurt Rachel and Gabby, does that weigh on you now that you're in this relationship? Like, that's a fair question. And he has to say yes or no, but was it worth it? He gets to not even name them. He gets to just be like, yep, got my woman. Big, big Clayton smile with my white teeth and the all shucks. Yeah.
0: I mean, I wanted to ask Susie too. Like, how do you sort of like navigate this, right? Like, how yeah. do you stand backstage watch all of this like I can't imagine like they have to have had some really hard and uncomfortable conversations like I can't imagine that they haven't um do you
1: think they stay together no no yeah I don't think
0: so either I don't I have a hard time I mean the only reason that I would question that they what is? I would have never guessed that she would have recanted to begin with so I mean I I do sort of think one thing is you did see people work through relational challenges <laughs> um in a way um through these last couple episodes that sometimes I feel like we don't get to see yeah yeah So, um, I, I do think that we got that. So
1: any positive note, I feel like we're, we're really leaving and we don't know when we'll talk to you all again. Um, I plan to be back for next season. Are you going to be back?
0: Probably. I might (laughs) be ragey about it. That's fine. I'm going to be here. Um, this is
1: going to be be a real role, a real role reversal where you are like ragey and I'm the one that's like, they're in love.
0: Well, so. I like love. <laughs> I just I sort of feel I'm struggling with sort of the ethics of promoting the franchise in any way, right? Like um uh so I'll, I'll probably keep doing this cuz um it's also joyful. <laughs> and I do think that um it's important that people have conversations about what like I do think that there are ways that you can ethically or critically watch things, mm-hmm. um, and that there are more passive and problematic ways of viewing and viewership, if you will. Um, I just, I don't, I just get frustrated when I think that shows lay all that responsibility on the viewers and don't, there are ways in which you can make shows that invite and prompt those conversations. um, a little bit differently than they're doing, so. All right. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Are we going to get Bachelor in Paradise, do you think? I think so. It's going to be
1: There's going to be some wild. good. Yeah, yep. But I think we're going to get Bachelorette first and then Bachelor in Paradise. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say, I think, I want to think about it, but I think there are ways that I think Bachelor in Paradise is a more ethical show.
1: Oh, I think, think so, yeah. So. Yep. Well, maybe we need to. So we will do an in-between episode with the three of us. That
0: will be fun.
1: And maybe we can discuss that. Maybe that'll, that'll be a be good fun. topic. And, and we can do it like our last one, where we also just randomly talk about stuff, which is our most listened to episode ever, Billy Blanks and something. So if you're like, man, I want to hear Danielle and Bill randomly talk about stuff from their lives. It's a good one. It's got like over 5,000 or 500 listens. So
0: That's exciting stuff.
1: And so signing off, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Osaka, Japan. We have (laughs) listeners from Osaka, Japan, and I forgot to look this up. So, um, let me give you a briefer about Osaka, Japan. Um, it is in the con, uh, Kansai region. Uh, it has about 2.7 million people in 2020 um second largest metropolitan 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 area in japan um yeah
0: cool i'd like to go there
1: me too so all right awesome that's happy it
0: spring break y'all
1: happy spring break we will see you sometime bye
0: you have been listening to bachademia with your hosts Danielle Dick McGee, Kim Hanna,
1: and Bill Henning.
0: All thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the person who spoke them. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show, leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast.
1: Also, please share with your family, friends, colleagues, and other ardent Bachelor fans.
0: If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at bachadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at Bachelania. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.